Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Graveside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And today it's just us, the gents, Chris, Kurt. <laughs> the gentlemen, the gentlemen. <laughs> yes, I just have my snifter of brandy and, and we're <laughs> quiet, yeah. quiet. We have a Jordan and a, bo- and a bottle of uh, 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 regrets, unjustified regrets, yes. justified. <laughs> we, we've adjourned Mercy. to the, the parlor while the, the women are. <laughs> I, I have a fine vintage piano. I, have a fine... I don't know what they do. What do the women do when the men are uh, in pian- the pianoforte? Study? Um, yes, a pianoforte. That's, that's and a... I have I have my uh, my my beautiful. Uh, goblet full of uh, yes, mercy earned. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, I, I a myself, fine vintage. I myself am drinking uh, the the tears of unloved aunts um, <laughs> who who died in in the springtime. <laughs> and and for those of us who who haven't looked at the episode title today, we are finally doing it, folks. We're going to dedicate this whole episode to talking about. White, white people. people. White people. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> what do you guys think about white people? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, think- we're, we, we are doing what nobody else does is talking about white people. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You won't, you won't get this understanding from the lamestream media. <laughs> <laughs> they, won't, they won't tell you about, about the secret kingdom that all the white people come from uh, and how they emerge <laughs> from the lake and hide in a break uh, in the middle of a forest path. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed, and and you know, do you think that the, uh, the 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 twisted ones and the dead ones do they call each other? You know, are they the white people that call each other white people? They love to call each other white people. Um, but seriously, I mean, uh, honestly, uh, I I I reread. I mean, I I read this earlier this year for the first time, uh, and obviously reread it. Uh, prior to recording, um, uh, this is Arthur Macken, uh, also Arthur known Macken. of uh, no, uh, known by one of his more more famous works. One that I think uh, Stephen King still believe still thinks is like one of the greatest works and one of his his own greatest influences on him. That being uh, the Bible. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I, I was going to say, uh, you know what's really funny, Kurt? Uh, when I just add a little bit of Latin flair, <laughs> you change you change the entire uh, the entire meaning of a, of a of a title from you know what it is to the great god Pan, <laughs> because you know bread is very important, and uh, the thing is that uh, by bread alone. By pan alone, man cannot live. Um, oh, this reminds me that uh, my daughter, um, we, we started her doing Duolingo in Spanish, and she's having a really a blast with that. Oh, I, you, you got you to gotta watch out for that owl, man. He'll yeah. sneak, sneak <laughs> oh, he's already strong armor. The company oh, my God. Owls. He's already emailed me in like five times today. 
<laughs> Watch out, I'll break into your home too. <laughs> Noticed you you missed it for two days. <laughs> See, I I started um I started doing Duolingo a number of years ago for, for German because that's what I did in college. Mm. Um and I have to say all of its entreaties to continue learning German are not very persuasive because like <laughs> it's just not a very compelling it's not like a super compelling argument for most people to learn German. It's not, you know, it's it's not like Spanish or like Chinese or like, you know, it's there's there's not like a practical justification for most people to learn German. So it's like you, oh, you know, you're you're slacking, and I'm like, eh, I can probably I'll probably be okay not learning German. <laughs> do, do do they have like phrases like why do they call him curly? He does not have hair. <laughs> Yeah, just it's just like you know, not understand. Do, if you speak German, is it like a Sapir Wharf and you stop understanding jokes and stuff? Yeah, which is very serious. Right. Yes. <laughs> speaking speaking of like, I I I would love to see like uh, Duolingo for the Aklo alphabet, which seems yes. uh, relevant yes. to <laughs> to our uh, story today. So I, so uh, go, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, it's just gonna be. A Dumb joke. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are we are full of dumb jokes today, folks. So, uh, but but yeah, let let let's talk a little bit about uh, Mockins the white people. Yes. Um, which uh, so so Chris, had you ever read this, or Kurt, had you ever read this before? No, I no, I had not. I, in fact, I had never heard of this before. So that probably shows. Where where my foundation's coming from? Mm. I was familiar with Machin, although uh, I don't. I think I started reading The Great God Pan, um, but didn't actually get very far. It was a number of years ago. I you know I didn't get very far into it. Um, and I, it's funny because I was actually reading it um, uh, more just for like historical context because um, Machin. Um, played a central role in the kind of recreation of the modern mythology of paganism, mm -hmm. um, in, in particular, uh, British paganism. Um, yes. and, and so there like was a Cr book Crowley at all. Uh, yes. Although, although Crowley was kind of off on his own thing, unsurprisingly, mm. but, um, well, is, but is that, ahead, if I may interject real quickly, Crowley loved this story. Yes, and Machin hated that Crowley loved this story. Yes. <laughs> yeah, um, but but uh, you know, uh, Kurt, uh, I'm glad that I was able to uh, save you a lot of time because you know we we, we ended up watching the movie version of uh, the Great God uh, Pan uh, Lawnmower Pan. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, but the the funny thing is, is that so I I. Having still not read the Great God Pan, um, I, I I don't know how strong the connection is, but um, what one of the strangest and most memorable uh, appearances of uh, Pan uh, is, of course, in The Wind in the Willows, um, where he appears Ooh. briefly in one chapter called The Piper at the Gates of Dawn um and helps oh, helps out yeah. the characters and then is, is he just it, disappears again and never shows up <laughs> great great uh, isn't that a hawkwind song yeah. uh that's floyd be that's pink an floyd. album yes yes it's one of the early albums pink floyd there we go um, yeah i was and, gonna say where i feel like i'm at laser floyd now yeah <laughs> um we, but we should, suffice we, to say i we should I, we should I be podcasting yeah we should be podcasting from like a planetarium in the middle oh, of the like laser show from a planetarium. yeah absolutely um, just that Yanni soundtrack, just going, yeah, baby. 
single sustained synth note. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, so so neither of you direct. So so I guess uh, Chris, you you had uh, you had mentioned that yeah you you had some you, you tried to listen to the the, the audio yeah. version of this. So, it, so I, I, yeah, so for this this October, I've been going through um, the uh, folk horror movie box set put out by Severin, um, Blu-ray label. So Severian? Oh, I didn't know. Who was <laughs> yeah, well, that's th- that is exactly why I was making that mistake all throughout our, our read of that book. Um, but uh, yeah, a, pre- a presentiment of your fast forward. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, it, but it's this awesome um, set of all these like folk horror uh, movies and th- and shorts and. Uh, interviews and things like that, and there's an uh, it just happened. It coincided that they had a uh, new uh, audiobook version of the the white people read by um, I think she was an actress in Blood on Satan's Claw, mm. which is like that British horror movie. Yeah, I saw, uh, I saw that. It's, it's a great movie. What a yeah. Movie Claw. Too. yeah, and and they, they even like um, uh, produced a new audio or a new um, soundtrack for it and everything. Um, so I, I, I tried to listen to it, and I just was like the the language. Uh, I, I just was not retaining a single thing. I, I just could not follow. So I ended up having to actually like read the text. Slid off your brain like it, like it yes. was as smooth as someone online. Yes. Yes. I, I it's the Teflon brain all over again. <laughs> this is your brain on audio. Any questions? <laughs> I mean, uh, Chris, I, 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 I'm joking uh, and poking a little fun at you, just a tiny bit. But, but I also like, honestly, I, I am a bad audio uh, retention like person. I, I, I could listen to something and be like, oh yeah, did I listen to that? <laughs> it has to really anger me. The only, the only book I've listened to primarily uh, in Kaiju in Pre- audio- Preservation yes. Society. <laughs> I, I remember that one relatively well because it angered me so. <laughs> Um, but, but yes, no, I, I have that same feeling too. Okay. I kind of think that everybody does or almost everybody does. <laughs> I mean, look, uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that one, Kurt, to be honest with you. Uh, but, but you know, that, that's neither here nor there. Um, I do think that, um, Especially, I think we were talking a little bit before we started recording, Chris, that, um, especially when we get from the frame story into the the found <laughs> document or the false yes. document, which is which is just like a fucking stream of consciousness that has no real like chronological order to it. It, it I mean, it, it's it like a really, story told by a six year old who's like, and then I went here, and then this happened, and then I went here, mm-hmm. and then I went here, and then I saw my mm-hmm. mom, and then I went down the store. You know? <laughs> yeah, and down at the store was a was a big bunny rabbit, and he gave me free free candy. You're like, fuck, yep. I gotta go down to the store and pay the pay the guy <laughs> then, because she stole some fucking candy. And then he gave me a idol. <laughs> <laughs> the I, I also I, I loved. Um, I think that like t- the typography of it being one like one large uh, like unbroken um, justified paragraph just makes it feel like it just goes on and on and on. Oh and yeah, on yeah. And on. I, th- I think there's like um, I was reading somewhere that uh, it, it has like three paragraph breaks in the green book. Yeah, there's yes. a couple. There's, yeah. there's a couple. 
Not not Which, counting the ominous poems, <laughs> the, the ominous rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 to summarize, right? Uh, I, I think we we summarized a little bit about the Green Book. It, it's hard to summarize because it is very difficult to explain exactly what happens in the Green Book, uh, because as you say, Kurt, it. it it does feel very much like, like a six-year-old yes. trying to recount, you know, exactly it's, what it's happened. It's like, uh, it's it's like uh, Fred Flintstone trying to explain the plot of a movie to you while uh, coconuts and bowling balls keep falling on his head. <laughs> not I, I was thinking about like the the episode where he's he's they try to they have to keep him awake for like seventy-two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, it, it starts off with uh, basically the the frame story has like two characters. Uh, one is Cotgrave, which I keep on, um, I kept on like transposing in my mind with Cosgrove from Mad Men. I was like, mm. it's an easy way to remember them. <laughs> Cot- yeah. Cotgrove and Ambrose, and Ambrose is apparently like, um, I, I suppose that speaking of. Uh, you know, like someone, he, he reminded me a little bit of like a, a Jonathan Strange character who just <laughs> dozes and dreams over his books, but doesn't seem to have like an actual job. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this was back when like you could like purchase an annuity and live off it for the well, rest of the, well, your that's, life. That's the tr- so, so there were a couple things that I have come to learn about this era uh, what one is is that the reason all these people were sitting around not doing anything is because they were all rich and their families were rich. Uh, mm. But but uh, yeah, apparently there were a bunch of different weird ways of like establishing uh, like a uh, sinecures uh, mm-hmm. where you would just kind of like get paid a salary for not really do- doing anything if your family was like a a good enough family. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I assume that it's one of them or that they own horribly exploitative uh shirtwaist factories they're in the um, sugar trade yeah, <laughs> yeah they keep they keep and like the less, uh, speaking the less... louder and louder to uh, avoid hearing the screams of the people burning to death in their factory yeah <laughs> it's like the janitors in in uh around the basement in omelas you know just you like know there, there is a lot louder of uh, and louder there is a lot of uh triangle in imagery in the occult mm-hmm. there you go um, but, but yeah, like, uh, weirdly, um, you, you mentioned that, but weirdly, uh, what I, from what I was reading of Machen, he, uh, more or less like lived in poverty <laughs> for a long time. Mm. And, uh, this was, uh, weirdly one of the stories that he wrote, uh, that is, cons- that was considered like, like he had a stretch where, uh, I think this story, um, the great God Pan and, um, a couple of other ones that I, I forget were considered like his his best work, but mm. they couldn't get published because uh, <laughs> nobody had a piece of paper long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, uh, jokes aside, this was in the uh, he was trying to publish them in the aftermath of the Oscar Wilde trial. Mm. And oh, because yeah, it sense. was it was like a lot of this has like weird sexual connotations and sensuality and decadence and so on and so forth. Um, plus magic, uh, mm. you know, that that was uh, frowned upon uh, in, you know, in in the aftermath. And therefore, he, he sort of like l- 
produced a bunch of stuff that was really good and couldn't seem to, it, it only got published after the fact, like after a long time, you know, it's, it's very mm-hmm. strange, but anyway, um, it's a weird situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it that must suck. You know, this is the yeah. best shit I've made. And you're like, nah, can't publish it, bro. <laughs> Ouch. I, I do like the the whole intro section is very fun and interesting because it really it really does just read like a chapter you know out of Jonathan Strange of it's yeah it's just, it's, it's two it's it's actually three guys mm-hmm. uh, you, you mentioned um, Ambrose and, and Cotgrove and Cotgrove and then there's an unnamed Cot- third Grave. guy. Cockroach, yeah, there's thank an, you. Yeah, yeah. Who, and there's who, another who just like fucks off at one point. And he's like, I gotta go. He's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you guys, you, I, I can see you guys are talking. I'm gonna, I gotta get home. I'm gonna walk. <laughs> and I, I believe so. Is the, is the house the, the the house is Cotgrave's house? Mm-mm. No, it's Ambrose. Oh, it's Ambrose's. Ambrose's house. Oh, okay. But oh, okay, okay. Because at one point Ambrose leaves the room early on, and and I really enjoyed this. Um, and cock and like Cockgrave turns to the third guy and is like, wow, what a fantastic lunatic you found. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, I love it. It, it. it honestly feels very much like a very, like, like today, like when you find someone dude. online, you, yes. you find someone yes. online. He's like, I love this guy. He, he, he turns around yeah. and he says, he's grand. I never yes. saw that, that kind of lunatic before. <laughs> and you're like, shout out to Jason. <laughs> Yeah, I, I found somebody like this recently, um, and it was, uh, it, it it was, it's just like a random woman who I saw making like a weird reply, um, to like a thread, uh, on Twitter, and I happened, she just there was just like a certain sort of weird poetry, um, to her language and almost like Trumpian weirdness to it, and so mm. I looked at her, um, profile on Twitter, and it was just all the like. The strangest, uh, just like statements, and they were all very odd, and they were all written in a slightly weird language, and there wasn't anything remarkable about it. She just said weird stuff in a weird way, and was clearly like not doing a bit, was just a weird person. And like, I, yeah, there was like 10 different people, and I was like, you gotta check out this weird person I found. Don't, Mm -hmm. don't interact with them. Don't, don't fuck it up. Let them be, just let them continue to be strange. But isn't this person strange? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so so uh, they, they get uh, sort of like they start talking about like, uh, what is it? The sort of like an ecstatic, like the the ecstatic um, traditions. Right. The the idea that um, that sinners and saints sort of fall on opposite ends of like the, the, I guess the, the standard deviation and therefore <laughs> can affect uh, and perceive reality differently. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 I thought that it was really interesting that he's um, one of, like right on the first page. He's like, most of us are just indifferent uh, mixed up creatures. We muddle through the world without realizing the meaning and the inner sense of things. And consequently, our wickedness and our goodness are alike second rate, unimportant. It's like, <laughs> speak for yourself, Ambrose. <laughs> yeah, like this this whole section is really cool. And I like there's there's some very fun, um, like roundabout logic that, that Ambrose lays out about the nature of sin and virtue and and his his whole thing of like, well, I think that most of what we call sin is really like 
social discomfort or annoyance. Like when somebody robs from you, is that really like a great sin or is it just annoying because they took your stuff? You know, like is, you know, it's okay. It's, it's perhaps a little bit of like an evil deed, but it's not like capital E evil, um, you know, that, that would horrify us. We're just like frustrated by it. And, and, and he, he makes this really great statement that I loved where he, he says something about how like, he he thinks uh, c- clearly. Um, I'm trying to think of quite how he puts it. It's like it's like evil. It's it's like the pr- probably the most evil people do almost no evil deeds. They just are evil, and there are probably mm-hmm. people. There are probably people who are who are you know more evil than a saint, but have done far more saintly deeds than an actual saint has ever done because. Because it's not about what you do; it's about whether you know deep down there's some like intangible quality of evil, and then improbably this whole section goes here. I want you to read this insane book. It will explain everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, I I have to say the the ending almost had me in tears. Where uh, like after this incredible, bizarre, you know, weird fiction narrative, the guy basically just closes the book and is like, weird book. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) What an odd book. (laughs) It it reminds me of of, um, at the end of Tron, where um, Jeff Bridges gets like beamed back out of the computer, having just discovered that computers contain living creatures that live in a parallel dimension, and his only reaction <laughs> is like, "Huh, that was weird." <laughs> wow, he, he's he's literally the uh, the meme, right? Yeah. Just like, wow, cool graphics. Yeah, cool graphics. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, like I, I love also I love that he he talks about how by uh, quote sinning, which seems to be um, more or less like sort of like stretching or bending reality to your whims. Uh, he he compares it to reenacting the the capital F fall, uh, and that's why you know, basically. Sinners, uh, specifically saints, um, I think work within the paradigm, but sinners mm-hmm. can change it. You know, can break it or change it or you know alter things to their whims, and that was why he sort of thought that sinners were like more, uh, sort of like interesting as sort of like a, a, a in the mystical sense, right? Oh, so yeah, so he's yeah, exactly, and he so he's kind of like, you know, everything kind of like of the supernatural is are in essence sinners. Is that is that kind of what? Because they're they are like opposed to you know God's, uh, you know, plan. Is is that how is that? What am I supposed to be taking? I, from this? Like, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure if that's exactly the like. There's it. it I think that the issue here is that um, from what I've read, like Machen was very heavily into mysticism and stuff like that, uh, mm-hmm. as we can tell, you know, in, in the text here. But also just the plain fact that he uses a lot of um, sort of like vague language. He's never really – this isn't Sanderson. You know, <laughs> He's not explaining yeah, yeah. his magic system to anybody. He The, the closest <laughs> he gets to it is I think when he – 
uh, describes like uh, essentially like sympathetic pain, right? Uh, the girl who gets her like basically a window falls on her hand and she's still got her hand, you know, in the, in the frame. Um, but in like, not instead, but also her mother then feels like a sharp pain in her own hand. Mm-hmm. And then her and skin sloughs off. Always love that. <laughs> yeah. Always love oh. the sloughing. Like always a good word. Always a good time when things are sloughing. Yes. The, that is probably a close second to degloving. That's mm. that's the one where that I read it every time and it makes me shiver. <laughs> Half boot, full boot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I I am glad. So it, re- reading this was funny um, because like I started reading and I'm like, man, this is this is like a fairly long, you know, piece. Is it just going to be these two guys just like kind of talking at like like one guy being somewhat incredulous? And I was was like, this this is either this is either a framing story or Carlo is fucking with us. (laughs) (laughs) Por qué no los dos? (laughs) Uh, But no, I I I I think it is vital that this framing story be there, though, because it really it helps to. One of the important things about a found document is not just the document, but the context in which the document was discovered, right? Or or in which it is being received. So, for instance, we did an episode uh, some some while ago on a uh, Thirteenth Warriors slash Eaters of the Dead, um, and and you know that book is heavily based around a found document. But what is important to it is that it is a found document that is being reconstructed by like fussy academics. And that mm. that is far more important in some respects than the nature of the document. And much like that, th- this this story, you know, f- frames itself as being like, oh, OK, remember, these are kind of like, you know, like fussy, uh, like Fortean kind of like academic investigator types, you know, turn of the century, um, you know, sitting, arguing by by gas lamp and running off to catch the last tram in London. And, you know, and and it, it, it kind of it, it gives the whole story a particular vibe um, it, like it, you you experience the found document in that same vibe, or at least in reference to it. Whereas I think if you just had the document, it would be kind of tedious because you'd be like, well, what am I like, what context is this in? Where is it going? Whereas, you know, having just that little bit of, of framing setup, I think gives you enough to anchor. And you almost, or at least I, I almost imagined myself um, as Cotgrave, you know, reading through it, going, "Hmm, ah, I see. Hmm, what is this? You, you know, like it. it mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it 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 puts a particular spin on the document that I think it would be very difficult to do purely within the text itself. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it and so so as I understand it, um, Machen actually uh, wanted to just have the story be essentially the green book yeah, and was afraid that it would just be too strange. And so he added the frame story. And, and it's funny because I, I think that the frame story really does a good job of sort of like preparing you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, because it's like, it's like, well, this is weird. It, it puts these weird lofty concepts in your head that it's not just about 
the literal events on the page, you come into it being like, this is supposed to explain something about sin and the nature of evil. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, it is, it is rather, uh, like, like I do love the, the language that is used in the green book itself. I mean, like it takes like a, like, I guess the, the, <laughs> we mentioned that there's no, um, that, that the, um, <laughs> that the, uh, the, the green book doesn't have any, uh, paragraph breaks, but, uh, mm-hmm. But it it takes about a paragraph's worth to sort of like describe the book and sort of like give you an idea of of the artifact itself, right? Like the yeah, you know, the Morocco binding of the book was faded and the color had grown faint, but there were no stains nor bruises nor marks of usage. The book looked as if it had been bought on a visit to London some seventy or eighty years ago and had somehow been forgotten and suffered to lie away out of sight. There was an old, delicate, lingering odor about it, such an odor as sometimes haunts an ancient piece of furniture for a century or more. The end papers inside the binding were oddly decorated with colored patterns and faded gold. It looked small, but the paper was fine, and there were many leaves closely covered with minute, painfully formed characters. So, you know, that's that's more or less your, your lead-in to give you an idea of what the artifact itself looks like, and then it launches into, you know, basically the the uh, the, the story itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's interesting because uh, I I would think that somebody uh, of that era would be way more um, familiar with like the the diary the diary like the diary as novel format epistolary yeah um, yeah epistolary yeah like um I I think so it's it's interesting that they. You know, he felt the need to add the that opening and and the, the wraparound story. I think I I in my opinion that particular style was just so seems to have been so popular with kind of proto weird fiction, mm-hmm. um, because uh, and especially like you know uh, there's so much gothic fiction that opens that way where it's like you know uh, I found my or or like. Like Mr. James type ghost stories, where it's like you know, I mm-hmm. found myself one day in a library, and as I wandered the you know the empty and haunted hallways, I, I I eventually happened to bump into a shelf, and off of the shelf fell a strange particular book, and I you know I was I was engrossed by it, and yet strangely, as I read the book, my candles kept going out. Anyway, here's the book, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and then at the end, someone will be like, "What a strange and haunting book that was," you know, and then some <laughs> one last weird thing happens where you go, "Was the book real all along?" Um, you know, and it's it's such like a well worn thing that I wonder if it's sort of the the uh, the nineteen hundreds equivalent to the uh, the story as listicle today. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's like this is so cliche and to the point that it's almost annoying, but people seem to like them. <laughs> so I well, guess I mean, I'll do it. Maybe it'll like sell. like like to your point, Kurt. Like I think um, like if I'm remembering correctly, like this would have probably been not too far off from like something like Dracula coming out. Um, I, I would argue that uh, Burroughs uses the same thing mm-hmm. for uh, what is it? Uh, what's the first of the uh, John Carter of Mars or whatever? Where he, he, yes. he finds like uh, he finds basically this is, you know, like his, oh, prin- princess. Of is Mars. it princess? Of Mars, which, whichever one it is. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, John Carter's like, yeah. 
ancestor finds the, and this is all true. Believe me. Blah, yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Time yeah. Machine I, is kind of like that. The Mezzotint yeah. by Lamar James is like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say that there it's, is one standout that that hints at this, but does not ever show you it. And that is none other than the King in Yellow. Oh, well, that, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I, I find it really funny that, that it's sort of like the, the opposite of the conceit, right? There is a false document, but it's never displayed nor shown to you. Yeah. Because you'll go mad. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, like I, I, so one of the things that, um, struck me it's just a weird tick is all i think yeah yeah no no yeah. i mean i i think i also think that it's it's a it's a way to um legitimize, legitimize yeah almost. yeah you're 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 trying to get audience buy-in mm-hmm. right uh mm-hmm. because then you know like if you found a document you would think well is this true or not and mm-hmm. and right, it gives right. it a certain ver- verisimilitude right um yeah. You know, oh, yeah. they found a document. Uh, you know, that, the, the, <laughs> no one ever lies when they write it down. <laughs> well, you know, to, to be fair, um, this this era is is kind of the last gasp of a, a very particular sort of I don't know quite what you would call it, like a scientific romanticism, um, where you you really did have this sense of you know, the study of history and the study of the world as itself a sort of magic. And that's, mm-hmm. that's even, that that's even evoked in this by Ambrose when he starts talking about like, Oh, you know, I can tell that you haven't studied alchemy because if he had, you would understand, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, all, all this be- beautiful symbolism, all nonsense, of course, you know, but it's all, it's, it's beautiful and meaningful. It has, you know, and, and he kind of talks about the interface between them. And I, I think, I, I think, Part of the reason you see that is because the idea of discovery and rediscovery had become almost magical. Like this is mm-hmm. the same. This is the same era as the the big Egyptology craze, where mm-hmm. people were like, mm-hmm. you know, pe- people were were trying to buy mummies to have mummy parties, you know, because it was this this amazing thing to to not to to not just recapture the past, but to to know it somehow. We are we are learning and and discovering things Literally about eating. the world. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and consuming the past exactly yeah um, yeah but, so, but yeah so one of the things what so so let me ask you this uh kurt because I, I my my time period is a little rusty it, would this also have um coincided with like the what is it the spiritualism and theosophy or whatever yeah however you call that yeah 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 this yeah um the yeah the, this is there, there's very much overlap um, I would imagine th- this is the tail end of it that that really died down uh, by like the mid twenties. Um, mm-hmm. But what this is what like nineteen oh yeah nineteen oh four yeah yeah. So I mean it 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 it, it th- this is full blown like Hellboy era. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, so so one of the things that uh, I I already mentioned uh, one Susanna Clark uh, work, but one of the things that really this this really 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 oh, yes. evoked Piranesi. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or, or 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 vice versa. You know. Now now that I know uh, what she was aiming for, and, and I think that was the uh, sort of like the same thing that you just mentioned about like the idea of the natural like the idea of natural philosophy, including mysticism as part of it, was I think something that we we had talked about, and I I had trouble like 
putting my hands exactly around the 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 exact thing that I wanted to say. And here we have it right in front of us because this honestly reads very much like almost a Piranesian <laughs> style yeah. document. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of the things that I will point out is that, um, and, and we've already, uh, sort of alluded to him a couple times here. Uh, but, but it's the other way around, right? I was like thinking to myself, this is very Wolfian. And it's like, no, no, this is the other way around. Yeah. Wolf would have been <laughs> yeah. very Machian. <laughs> because there's like a lot of the, the, the content of the green book is just straight up a story that you're not entirely sure. Like there's enough there for you to go on and try to piece mm -hmm. together things, but also it's got like several, like it's got, at least has two or three different layers of interpret. Like you could mm -hmm. read it two or three different ways. And, uh -huh. and, and at least one of them or two of them are, are, are completely mundane, but horrific. <laughs> well, let me, and, let Go, go ahead. No, 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 no. Please finish your thought. Uh, because like there's the the whole sequence where she actually sees the white people. All right. Let me see if I can find yes. it here. Um, here we go. Right. So uh, it's hard to find because of none of the paragraph breaks. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically she's she's taken by her nurse. Uh, her, her father is sort of like a distant figure in her life just to set the scene a little bit. Um, and mm -hmm. she is basically in the full care of her nurse who apparently is sort of grooming her for some sort of mystical, uh, possibility. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to find here, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, oh, 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 I, I thought you were trying to describe it. I know the section of which you speak, but I mm -hmm. didn't, I don't actually, uh, yeah. have it. I, <laughs> I, I have it right here. Um, so, uh, shoot, where do I start here? They used to talk to me and I learned their language and talked to them in it about the same great white place where they lived, where the trees and the grass were all white and there were white hills as high up as the moon and a cold wind. I've often dreamed of it afterwards, but the faces went away when I was very little. But a wonderful thing happened when I was about five. My nurse was carrying me on her shoulder. There was a field of yellow corn, and we went through it. It was very hot. Then we came to a path through a wood, and a tall man came after us, and he went with us till we came to a place where there was a deep pool, and it was dark and shady. Nurse put me down on the soft moss under a tree, and she said she can't get to the pond now. So they left me there, and I sat quite still and watched, and out of the water and out of the wood came two wonderful white people, and they began to play and dance and sing. They were a kind of creamy white, like the old ivory figure in the drawing room. One was a beautiful lady with kind, dark eyes and a grave face and long black hair, and she smiled such a strange, sad smile at the other, who laughed and came to her. They played together, and I danced round and round the pool, and they sang a song till I fell asleep. Nurse woke me up when she came back, and she was looking something like the lady had looked, so I told her all about it, and she asked and asked her why she looked like that. At first she cried, and then she looked very frightened and turned quite pale. She put me down on the grass and stared at me, and I could see she was shaking all over. Then she said I had been dreaming, but I knew I hadn't. I'm going to stop there because it keeps on going and going. <laughs> yeah, and going. you're just going to read the whole story. Yeah. yeah what, what's, what's really <laughs> lovely about about like that sequence and 
there's a lot. I, I feel like there's there's five or six incidents that are recounted um, somewhat straightforwardly, that being one of them. But what's wonderful about it is that the point of view of the found document um, is is both aware that some of the things she's describing uh, are like weird things that other people would find weird and so must be concealed. So like the stuff later on when they're making um, the, the like wax idols. But, mm-hmm. but this part here, she doesn't seem to realize is this really fucking weird thing. And she's just like, yeah, this is just like a thing that happens when you're a baby. <laughs> you know, people, mm-hmm. people, people <laughs> take you on a magical Lovecraftian vision quest, you know? <laughs> and, and so it, it, it lends like, um, it lends like an uh, much the same strange tiltedness that we get from Piranesi, where where you know the the narrator's understanding of what is normal and what is weird is is recognizable to us, but also often unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll be like, this person was acting weird, and then they handed me a magical scepter, and that was totally normal. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was a magical scepter because I had been told that by the white people that looked over the edge of my crib when I was a little baby. And you're like, yeah. hey, what? <laughs> uh, so here, here's something. Um, if I may read a quote, uh, mm-hmm. Machen's narrative, a triumph of skillful selectiveness and restraint, accumulates enormous power as it flows on in a stream of innocent, childish prattle. Um, which which is uh, Lovecraft um, mm-hmm. r- writing about this story, and I think he's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's like it it builds and builds because of the inconsequential like nature of it. It's not like mm-hmm. pay attention to this important thing. It's like it's giving you endless little things. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Well, and and uh, to be fair, I think Lovecraft thought that this was his best, like Machen's mm-hmm. best work. Uh, and and he loved it. Like he loved it enough that he swiped the Aklo al- mm-hmm. alphabet for his own use <laughs> later mm-hmm. on, um, amongst other things. Lovecraft was hugely influenced by th- this this era of writing, which is like it's it's funny because you would assume that Lovecraft was writing at at the same time uh, as this, and, and I mean mm-hmm. he he had like started to, um, but. But um, Lovecraft wrote in an in, in in an intentionally archaic style that was meant to ape this style, which itself was already a little bit intentionally um, archaic. Uh, mm-hmm. But but yeah, like the, it, there's a lot of resemblance in his stories too, where like especially his early stuff has kind of incongruent appearances of like witches, um, which like you wouldn't you wouldn't normally associate with Lovecraft, um, but it. Be- because of people like Machen, they were almost de rigueur in like weird horror. It's like, well, you know, there's witches and witchcraft and, you know, Sabbath stuff around. So it's just like uh, the dumb witch horror has a bunch of mm-hmm. witch stuff in it, I believe. And it's mm-hmm. like, it, pr- it probably didn't mm. need to be there, but it's like, well, it's, you know, it's weird horror. We got to have some witches in there. <laughs> <laughs> what else starts with W? Uh, yeah. Witches. <laughs> yeah. Well, because weird is is often associated with like witches and stuff mm-hmm. like that too. So it's it's interesting. Well, I mean, w- witches do weirding. Haha. Yes, right. Exactly. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I my goodness, this, this, uh, like, and I also love the idea that um, there's like weird uh, deviations where like there's this weird sensuality and this um. 
a couple of instances where later on when she's a little older because she she's recounting here where she was five and then later on she talks mm-hmm. about like when she was like 14 or 15 or something like that and uh, she follows like a, a stream and it's a little brook and it's the brook is just filled with this water that's just so clear and beautiful mm-hmm. and it, the water has red and white and you know like uh, these stones that are just just brightly colored and whatnot. And the thing that stuck out to me was the, the fact that she's like, Oh, she loves the water so much that she, uh, it it tastes so good to her that she leans down and she wants to sort of like slurp it up with her lips directly on the surface of the water. And then she imagines that it's a nymph kissing her and you're Mm. like, huh? Mm. Okay. I, I see where this is going. And, that's even um that's that's echoed in one of the stories that um she recounts like that that she had been told as a child about um about a man who was hunting a white stag and pursued it basically into fairy and he he kisses the queen of the fairies and eats their like their their cake and he won't ever kiss anyone else because he's like I've kissed the queen of the fairies why would I kiss anybody else what you know <laughs> uh, and, and and I I just love that um that 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 echo between it because when she describes imagining kissing a uh, a nymph um it it doesn't it doesn't have any sense of doom to it. But mm-hmm. all of the all of the fairy tales that she was told, which her own story increasingly resembles, have an element of doom and foreboding and permanence about them. And, and so, even though her actions don't have anything with it, we're we're being told these stories of people doing the exact same stuff that she's doing in a different context mm-hmm. and getting like severely fucked up for you know be, yes. be, due to it. So it's you kind of go like, huh. Uh, maybe, maybe <laughs> don't keep doing all the stuff that the fairy tales were explicitly telling you not to do. <laughs> it's like well, a I mean, fantasy yeah. version of the torment nexus. It's like, <laughs> it's like, so the moral of the story is don't walk into a fairy circle. The person reading is like, I got to go find a fairy circle. <laughs> that's, that sounds cool, man. <laughs> got to go find those fairy circles. Um, you're yeah, telling yeah. me I can dance forever and never stop? Fucking awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> uh there's there's also like the speaking of the stones, there's also like that little fairy tale where the uh the 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 girl shows up to the court uh and she says that she has like a a, a ruby the size the size oh, of a hen's so egg and yes. it's such a great little story and but you're like that story and t- then- t- takes a yeah, it takes a right turn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so good. Uh it, th- that was masterful because it's it's hard it's hard for me to, to put my finger on it, but when it got to the part where um they finally break the door down and the room is filled with smoke, just like just choking black smoke, mm-hmm. um I I, mm. I I don't know, like a frisson went through me because that's a very not a fairy tale ending, but not in a way I can quite explain. Like a fairy tale ending would have had something yeah. different. Like it would have been empty, and there was, you know, a single red scarf on the bed, or you know, so- something, something less dramatic. But mm. I don't know. There, there's something about it that that, uh, like, I don't know, recontextualizes that story I, as altogether darker. I feel. I feel like uh, part of it might simply be that, to, to your point, there is no actual like, there's not a tangible object that you can hold on to, right? right? Is that really a like moral a, a of the story? <laughs> no, that, that also, yeah. Like, like, 
<laughs> and, if and a guy so, says, sorry, I'm already married to your wife, don't don't let him. Don't, don't let him go into the room with her. <laughs> won't end well. Tell him, be like, no, dude, I just married her. I was there at the wedding. Well, it, it's 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 <laughs> funny to me because one of the things that I keep going back to is the the scene that I mentioned regarding like she sees when she's five years old sees the the white people come out of the the, the deep pool. But then the minute I I was thinking about that, I was like, well, hold on, what is she actually seeing? Like, where's the nurse and and mm-hmm. and the man that went with them? Mm-hmm. And you're like, hmm, is she just seeing them like having sex together and? That's what I kind well, of well. I mean, oh. there, there's one. That's one way to read it, right? That- uh, see, I I read it as her nurse was kind of like uh, doing a the omen to her of you know the the secret corrupting nanny who's who's mm, whispering yeah, yeah. dark secrets in the child's ear and is trying to like I don't know like bring her into some kind of weird cult. Seem well, to yeah, be the that, implication later. It, it it does. Yes, it it absolutely is that. But also, like I. Because the the oh, nurse true. has yeah. has the has the man, and he never he fucks off. Like we don't yeah. hear about him ever again. And then here we have, but yeah. just you know, like speaking of the fairy tale with the girl that we were just talking about. But just when he had his has the king showing up, he puts his hand on the door. He saw a tall black man with a dreadful face standing in front of the door, and a voice said, "Venture not upon your life. This is mine own wedded wife." And then you know that's that's when they break down the door, and it's just. Filled the room is filled with smoke and nothing else <laughs> and a twi- like what is it they they find that there's like a twist of grass and a bunch of rocks on the ground mm-hmm. you're like well uh, the, yeah. the, the glamour the glamour was gone on the other hand lending credence to the they were just having sex theory is is how the nurse is like oh she won't be able to like get far from here or yeah. something she, it's, she it won't just, get to the pond from here yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Which, which which to your point does very much sound like uh i'm supposed to be watching this baby but i'm also a dtf so you know pr- respect to her for putting making sure that she didn't put her directly next to the pond <laughs> <laughs> fuck it let's put it in the pond fuck it <laughs> Uh, this baby cries too much, eats too much. Let her, let her, let someone else take care of her. What uh, I no. the um, uh, Lovecraft uh, scholar St. Joshi um, had a nice quote uh, about this, which I uh, really hit it on the head for me. Which is he describes this as a Lovecraft story as described by James Joyce. <laughs> so <laughs> because yeah, like, like if you if you take it out of the if you if you peel back all the weirdness, one of the explanations is just yeah, like this this is a girl who had a weird nanny who kept telling her all sorts of strange stories and making her believe in this weird like ancient religion. Um, and then at the end, she, you know, she's she kills herself or is murdered for, uh, you know, uncertain circumstances, which, uh, you know, is a much more straightforward story than the than the experience of reading it, mm-hmm. which has that. Yeah. Which has that mm-hmm. weird sideways quality to it. Yeah. 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 I, I think it, it to your point, Kurt, it, it does. Um, it does sort of like layer weirdness upon weirdness and you're not entirely sure because of the uh the reliability of the narrator right Mm -hmm. you you're not entirely sure what to make of it right and and to your point like there's there's obviously certain things like we're, we're we're sort of teasing out some some basic details here and there that you're like well 
is that really happened? Is it mm-hmm. is it magical, or is this just simply yeah. some mundanity that a a kid's own sort of sense of like not? I think you 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 phrased it not exactly lying, but but having sort of like a fabulism, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and 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 exactly because there's things in the story that really can't even be explained by you know oh it's a child misunderstanding stuff like it's hard to think of what a child could misunderstand as you know wandering for hours through a weird realm of turning and twisting stones and you know ancient mountains like there's there's nothing that you could be like oh she's probably just describing that it's like i I, I have literally no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it, it you know, so yeah. It's like well, the rest of it you can explain away, but then back back to your kind of re- reference to layers. There's stuff where you're like, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, th- there is something to it. Um, even then, right? Where where like when I was reading it and I rereading it, I was like sitting there like, is this just like a weird um, like, is this like is she just wandering in the gardens surrounding the house? Because there's like this whole thing where she reaches the end of like the, the land, right? The land, this weird uh, mm-hmm. fairy land that she's in. And there's just a gigantic wall, a green wall. And you're like, is that like just the hedge? Is that the wall to the, yeah. to the, to the garden surrounding the house? What What is happening here? But, but also you're invited to, sort of like in superposition, you're invited to uh, assume that, yes, it is sort of mystical, magical, you know, it's like uh, not not the real world too, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it's, I, I don't know if you're you're supposed to really come up with one or the other. I think you're supposed to just sit there and go like, well, it could be both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like um the two like super <laughs> or some, on some secret third thing. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I, yes, exactly, I think yeah. I think that Portal. the the story seems very carefully constructed to not overly imply any one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And so I really feel like this is one of those stories that does exactly what I always want a story to do, which is, you know, leave you like on a question mark and being like, Well, what what is, you know, I have some thinking to do about this story because like th- that to me is the per is the, 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 the highest ideal that a story like this can achieve. And I think that the, the balance between implying things without ever really showing something really, really lands here. Yeah. Well, I mean, hmm. friend, friend of, uh, I think friend of ours, uh, friend of the pod, uh, if, if we may call him that, uh, Zach Gillen, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he's mentioned this and I'm going to steal it from him because I think it's a, it's a very valid way to approach, um, specifically weird fiction is that this is a story that holds power in part, not because it explicates or tries to, uh, sort of give you any exposition, uh, about what's happening, it does quite the opposite. And that in and of itself is something that lodges in your brain and you, you just sort of like gnaw on it. And every yeah. once in a while you come back to it. Yeah. 
And, and like, again, like I've read this, I've reread this. And I do also think that this is a story that invites multiple rereadings. Mm-hmm. It, it, that mm-hmm. said, I, I don't, I don't, I don't especially like the idea of rereading it because I, ha- I have to say, I did find it arduous to read. Like it, <laughs> it is, it, it is, mm-hmm. it is propulsive and interesting, but it does kind of feel like scaling a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to be like, I mean, Jesus yeah, Christ, it's, it's, give me a paragraph break, buddy. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it is super challenging. Yeah. Um, uh, which, I'm not going to, I think it's by lie. design. I, I think mm-hmm. that is not a defect. I, I think that, that that's part of the tension that it's building, but it is draining. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, to, to circle back to what Chris and I were talking about, you know, almost at the beginning here, uh, you know, like this is something that, that, you know, if you tried to just listen to it, you'd be like, "What the fuck did I? What? What, what happened? What? I don't even know." <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't retained one thing about this. There's a girl, something, a green book. <laughs> Who are these guys? Yeah, but like at the same time, like it it has so much stuff that does stick in your memory, mm-hmm. like like in bits and pieces that don't quite come together. So like, I I am confident I'm going to be. Thinking about and confusing for real all of the fairy tales that are referenced um, <laughs> in this, uh, because like mm-hmm. th- this is like a short story that, or I guess this is what it's like a novella, right? I want to say it's probably a novella. Yeah, this is like a novella that, in addition to the novella story, has like five pieces of flash fiction, really good flash <laughs> fiction embedded within it. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um I guess I guess what this is is like it's a it's it's flash fiction wrapped in a short story wrapped in a novella. <laughs> with with a creamy nougat center, yes. Uh, oh yeah. Full of, yeah. Full of white full of white people. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do love nougat. <laughs> you know that nougat is beige, right? <laughs> <laughs> what if you took a marshmallow and made it less interesting? <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, I, I've got a challenge for you because there have been a couple of um, a couple of th- I I am Kurt. You know that I am perhaps one of my fatal flaws is that I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> yes, when uh, when Carlos says, "Hey, check out this thing I found," uh, there's a ninety percent <laughs> chance that it's it's the ending of the movie Seven. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! What's in the mystery? What's in the mystery box? <laughs> what's in the link? Tell me what's in the link. But um, so so there's a there's a a novelization of this that it ballooned it out to three hundred eighty five oh, no. pages. I shit you not. And I I am currently oh. like I am currently listening to the audiobook of that, and uh, simply because I I. I am morbidly curious, much, much like the girl <laughs> at the center of this story in the green book. Mm. Yeah. Haven't you learned? No. <laughs> <laughs> Curiosity no, just, killed the girl. I, I'm just imagining Carlo uh, listening to the, the evil book from the King in yellow, but as an audio book and he's listening to it on like 1.5 speed and not really following it. So he doesn't, so he doesn't go insane. Like, it wasn't very good. Just mostly annoyed. I just really just, struggled to get through. <laughs> he, I, th- I, some, I think somehow the, the king in yellow doing a yeah, better. You don't, you, don't go, you don't go. You don't go completely mad. You just like come out and like, 
fuck, I think I just gave myself bipolar disorder. Yeah, fuck. It's, it's got like a that 2.3 sucks. on Goodreads. <laughs> Like, uh. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, one of the things that uh, another thing that um, another person that took inspiration for this, uh, I mean, uh, obviously there's there's Lovecraft. Um, uh, apparently, there's a T.E.D. Klein novel called The Ceremonies, um, and more more importantly. Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth used uh, like mm. sort of the setup here. And I think they built um, a maze out of bread. Incredible. <laughs> there's a, mm. there's a very thin man waiting for, <laughs> for you to take a bite out of it, out of the banquet. Uh, <laughs> what, what, but I also think that that like Pan's Labyrinth really uh, does manage to include like these implied fairy tales. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Just great. hundred percent. It, it yeah. definitely has that, the, like that turn of the century. Uh, you know, I, I, I wandered outside of my ornamental garden and stumbled into an evil ceremony type, type, type thing going on for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Young Goodman Brown. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I, you know, there, there's, there's a funny aspect to, to which all of these things were, like put me in mind of the secret garden, but evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I was thinking of is, is those girls oh, who like faked yeah. um, the, the fairy co- photos. Co- it's called like the, the, the Cottlesley or Cottersley fairies. Oh, yeah, the yeah, Cottle- yeah. yeah the, the Cottlesley fairies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's such a bad fake. Uh, anyone, who does, anyone who doesn't know what we're, what we're talking about, there was a Victorian spiritualism sensation where literally like two young teenage girls, I think they were like like nine and 13 or something, like nine and 14. Mm-hmm. They they literally created yeah. like an international sensation uh, through the, the, the simple dint of cutting out pictures of uh like fairies uh from like a children's you know storybook um p- you know p- putting them in bushes and then taking photographs and saying look we took photographs of fairies and, well, and- i mean it's it's the it's the equivalent <laughs> of like the you know those um instagram people that do like the yes. they, they make <laughs> little right. ac- hey, ac- acorn oh yeah acorn nights and stuff like that and yeah just- what wasn't um what wasn't this famously um gosh who who was it uh, Sir was it, Arthur Conan Doyle yes Arthur Conan Doyle was like oh my God there are fairies science is a lie <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it is the Cotting Lee fairies Cotting Lee uh, thank you um just just to clarify and, and for those of you out there just look it up I mean just take a look at the fake it's really the, funny the, the, the photos pictures. don't look real at all <laughs> they look yeah really yeah. Fake. yeah. They absolutely do. Um, But, you know, I guess, uh, you know, these these were the the uh, it's like an industrial the, the Victorian, era MS Paint drawing. The, these are these were these were the. But I, I think it's also. A oh, I was going to say they're, they're the Victorian X Files, you know, and and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. He yeah. wanted to believe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I I think it's interesting though that it it shows how much that um you know the 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 occult and fairy tale stuff oh, yes. was kind of just in the the atmosphere at that time. Yeah. Well, I think I think part of it was um there was a big push um actually th- throughout Europe um th- to to rediscover or create a national identity um and uh there this went in some unfortunate uh directions shall we say in a number was, of countries. What was um, the uh was the English uh speaking of the English uh uh, for missing link, uh, what was his name? The Piltdown Man, right? 
Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah exactly. Yeah. There, yeah. there was this the sense that like modern countries had lost touch of like who they were, and in in um in the UK especially, a big part of that was was this cling this cling to the idea of like secret folk knowledge. There was a really big push this idea mm. that like there are secret hidden folk ways. That, you know, if we go out into the country and, and ask somebody who talks like this or something, you know, like, like you'll you'll find some kind of secret. It's very much like the origin of the, the whole folk horror, I you know, concept of like somebody goes from the city into a small town and, uh, you know, goes and looks at the ritual that, that they're not supposed to. Um, and th- yeah, mm-hmm. th- that's very much like part and parcel. And you're absolutely right, Carla. It was absolutely in the air. And people were, were just going uh, going nuts over it. Actually. Um, there's a there's a whole subgenre of British um, uh, th- thrillers or fantasy, it's or or horror, maybe you might even call them, um, from like the the 30s and 40s, where they were very um, very like uh, like hot fuzz, but with witches um, oh. type uh, t- type novels, mm-hmm. where it would be you know like a you know a, a a new priest gets sent to a small town in the north of England and discovers there's an ancient sect of witches who secretly control the town and he has to defeat them for Christ. You know, it's like a whole <laughs> subgenre of a of a literature that I think was very much riffing around the whole like like the the hangover from spiritualism. Well, wouldn't wouldn't like the the I guess late fifties through early seventies, like specifically English folk horror totally. boom of movies. They they were also like trying to, I guess, criticize that uh, to a certain extent. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or, or, or like mm-hmm. satirize it or play around with it or, or try taking it seriously in some cases. <laughs> yeah. It, the, and the only one who's like, who, uh, not only one, but, um, you know who's like really big into like all this stuff is uh, bad oh, I thought you were going to say Alan Moore. Uh, like, <laughs> no, oh no, no, never. King Alan Moore. Uh, but yeah, Alan Moore. But like Warren Ellis in particular, because he has it. It's the the stuff that he was interested in. Uh, to my mind, seemed more of like you know the like the forgotten ink magical yes, history yes, of England so. type stuff. Yeah. Where yeah. I I have to say I have a real fucking yen for this stuff like. Like I, 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 something about the texture of it. Um, it, it might be because like my grandmother had this this weird ivy covered garden with like old, you know, like like Victorian style statuary in it, and like like uh, fountains and stuff that I used to mm. wander around. What what uh like when I was a child. Cool. But like when I was reading this, I was totally like, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> This is just like this is just some shit that like my, w- would have been in a book that my grandmother would, would have. Ha, did did either one of you ever read uh, Foucault's Pendulum by Echo? I bought it last week, no. and I have. Oh, not interesting. Read it. I, I have not started yet. I've been oh, reading nice. it for a long while um, because it it was um, part and parcel to one of my uh, one of my like big three most influential on me books, which is uh, the Illuminatus. Mm. Uh, trilogy he- heavily they, those those two works are kind of heavily inspired by each other or have some kind of inspirational relationship so so what i'm going to point out here and i don't think this is a spoiler necessarily but to a certain extent as i was finishing reading up the 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 story especially when you get to the part where like oh and then you know like the the girl says oh and then the nymph showed up and she turned the well into fire and you're like and that's where it sort of like just cuts off and is like oh weird book what a weird book you had 
okay, bye. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> um, it reminded me of how Foucault's pendulum is is structured, but Foucault's pendulum is uses sort of like this type of structure. But imagine that it's riffing on Holy Blood, Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Mm, uh, yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, I think that um, yeah, we we've mockened out. I guess right. <laughs> we, yeah, we, I. I'm I I really want to go read the Great God Pan like right away. Uh, this is a very, again this is a very um, autumnal thing to suddenly be like oh, there's the the occult is all around me you know ancient folkways people you know sneaking <laughs> through forest paths like <laughs> this is the time perfect time of year for it. Well, I mean, uh, you know, like again, like Jonathan Strange speaking of secret paths, like not to spoil anything, but you know, th- there's there's some of that. There's some of like uh, you know like the the to, to a certain extent this type of this story sort of implies that the the pagan ways are still there right we just haven't sort of like mm-hmm. we don't see them anymore and that's sort of like a big thing yes. that's sort of like present in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell as well as Piranesi like the ending of Piranesi that you reminded me uh like you, you just need to know how to look at things. It is. It is also uh, part of mm. the framing device for the Hobbit, which mm, is literally true. like there's, st- you know, Hobbits are still around. They're probably out in your garden. You just can't see them. It's it's like it's it's like one of the last little bits of like traditional fairy tale, or one of the strongest bits of traditional fairy tale that like mm-hmm. Tolkien kind of like like slipped in there. Well, he 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 includes it at the beginning too, and then does a callback at the end. Yes, uh, where he's he's like, oh, and you, oh, you've never met a Hobbit. Uh, that's because whenever they hear one of the big people stomping around, they make themselves. Basically, yeah. he says he makes them they make themselves scarce. You know, they're hard to see. I miss that in Lord of the Rings because it would be very funny to imagine like, oh, you know, uh, uh, Aragorn is probably out. Out in your garden right now. Um, he, but, but, but he gets yeah. nervous when he hears people stopping about. He hides you have, behind a flower. You have my trowel. <laughs> <laughs> it's just to have like the entire fellowship and they're just doing landscaping for you. But you never see them. It's sort of, it's sort of like the, the the elves doing the the cob- the elves and the cobbler. Yes. Except it's like the the, the guy and the landscaping elves. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, anyway. Uh, that's enough riffing for tonight. Uh, gents, thanks for coming along with, with me on this particular journey. A challenging one where where the, you can you can lay on, on the top of a bald hill and see many hills dancing, dancing and swirling around you. Um, and to everyone out there, thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time here on Graveside. Ooh. Ooh.